and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors, which builds mixed use and commercial property portfolios for landlords and property investors across the UK. If you want to find out more about that, as usual, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk, where you can find out everything I do and everything my team of surveyors does right over on that website. Okay, today we have somebody really, really, really exciting on the podcast. We have Neil Ryder. Hi, Neil. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Apart from the fact that, you know, we're in the middle of hay fever season, so hopefully I won't sneeze. <laughs> it's fine if you do. You're excused. Um, so I've invited Neil onto the podcast because he is the main man who knows everything about property tax and how to structure your property portfolio properly. And one of the big things that I'm seeing at the moment with investors who come to me is the fact that they don't even think about the tax on their property portfolio. They're just building, building, building. They want to amass wealth really quickly, but there's no tax strategy there and so that's why Neil I have invited you onto the podcast so we can talk everything tax strategy if that's okay that's okay yeah perfect so to start off with then can I ask about you and your background how did you get into tax strategy and tax planning well my background I mean I've I've spent probably the the last eight nine years working with um self-directed personal pensions. So we would recognise them probably as SIPs and SAS. Mm-hmm. And my main area of expertise was SAS. And, and SAS has become of great interest to property investors because of the Section 24 interest changes, yeah. um, which have encouraged more and more property investors to invest through a limited company. And as, as a, a director of a limited company, then SASs have become quite attractive to them. But SASs are only part of the solution for, for property investors because they're, they're a little bit limited in terms of what they can, can do mm-hmm. um, and what they can invest into as far as property is concerned. And many property investors are looking to, to use a SAS in many, many different ways. I mean, one of the big advantages of using a SAS and if you've got a limited company, is the fact that you can your company can make the pension contributions, which reduces corporation tax liabilities, which puts money into the into, into the into the into the SAS. But it's then what you can do with it from there. But it's building this overall tax strategy, which really does become important. So pensions are part of a solution. But they're not the be all and end all of it. There's got to be lots of other things that you've got to work with. And over that time, I've got to to work quite closely with a team of charter tax advisors who are specialists in in this property property area. They're all ex PwC, ex HMRC. So what we can do between us is to provide almost a, an end to end tax solution and a tax strategy for property investors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where are you seeing investors trip up at the moment? I mean, the taxes have been changing, and I believe the government are only just going to tighten tax, especially on 
uh, buy to let investors because the residential sector is easy for them to jump in on if it's bought in someone's own name. So what are you seeing at the moment? Where do you see um, tax really strangling property investors? I think it strangles people right from the beginning because the, the, the property arena is a very, very complex tax strategy. Yeah. Because if you if if you're investing in your own name, then you know you you've got you've got to deal with things like you know your personal income tax. You've got to deal with um, capital gains tax, and then you've got all the property taxes that sit around it. So yeah. stamp duty, land tax, and and if you invest through a limited company, then we add in a little bit more complexity because then we've got to deal with corporation tax. We've still got to deal with with personal taxation in terms of how do we take money out. From, from the business, we've still got SDLT, but it's just a very, very complex area. And what we're finding, Natasha, is that generally speaking, property investors are, are not really thinking about the short, medium and the long term. The short term from my in my book is very, very much about income and you know, how you're going to be taxed on the income itself. Mm-hmm. Medium term is is really thinking about how you're going to be taxed on disposals. But the big one, and the one that often gets forgotten, is, is the long-term one, which is inheritance tax. It's tax on death. Yeah. And, and when we talk with property investors, many of them are, are, are they're, they're talking about building an income for the future, a passive income. So eventually they can start to draw on that passive income. And hopefully then leave a legacy for the future generations. But they're not focusing on well, what is this tax strategy which is going to get me to where I want to be. And I think that it's it's part of uh, an education type process because many prop- many people who invest into, into property only see two ways of doing it. You either do it in your own name or you do it through a limited company. But both of those are investing in a taxable environment. You know, yeah. Your income is going to be taxed. Any disposals that you make are going to be taxed. So if you're going to build uh, a fund that you can draw down for the future, and people don't use the word retirement, but that's really what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and to me, the, the point that you start drawing this passive income down is the point where you've, you've gone to retirement with a small R. And you're no longer wanting to work. You're not looking to exchange time for money all of the time. Yeah. But in building, you know, if you're going to build a fund for the future, if you're going to build a pension fund, one of the things that we have to recognise that if you use, say, something like a SaaS, and you and you're and the SaaS is investing into, say, commercial property, then the rental income from that commercial property rolls up gross there's no tax on it yeah. if you dispose on as dispose of that commercial property there's no tax on the gain so it's it's the fund is growing in um, a tax-free environment and if we're going to build this passive income that we're going to draw down somewhere in the future there is a third option and there are pension wrappers which are enshrined in uk legislation which property investors can use. SAS is part of the of the journey, but there are other pension wrappers in which you can invest into both commercial and residential property. 
-hmm. And then you can see the rental income rolling up gross. You can see no tax on disposals. So I think what we've got to really go back to, I think, Natasha, is right to the beginning, is the first question in terms of tax strategy is what vehicle are you going to use to build your your property portfolio? Are you going to do it in your own name? Are you going to do it through a limited company? Or are you going to use a pension wrapper, an appropriate pension wrapper, to, to do it? Because mm-hmm. that's the that's the beginning of that journey, which is then going to determine you know what personal tax you're going to pay, you know whether you're going to get caught for tax on disposals, yep. and ultimately you know as we know that if we invest through through pensions, then any anything that's in that that pension wrapper sits outside of our estate for IHT purposes. So it's thinking through what our real options are. We need to be able to make that informed decision. We need to be able to to understand and get the knowledge to understand which is going to be the most effective way for us. And it may be that it's a combination of all three. Yeah. Because when we've, you know, if we've already commenced on our journey, then we may already have some property in our own name. We may already may have property in, in, in that we've invested in a limited company. But there's still strategies that we can use, which doesn't necessarily undo what we've already done, but harnesses the, 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 the income and the, uh, and the assets that sit within there so that we can use them in the most tax-efficient way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if anybody's listening to this and they've already started out on their portfolio and thinking, oh, my gosh, I didn't plan for this from the start, it's not all isn't lost. No, it's not all lost. I mean, there are things that we can do is that, you know, if somebody's set off on a journey by holding property in their own name, then there are things that can be done, particularly if the property is held in joint names. So it might be a husband and wife um, are holding property in, in their names. In, in joint names, and we even have 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 come have come across or have clients who are two individuals who've worked together, and they've mm-hmm. built a portfolio in their own names. So there are routes that we can in, that we can take to maybe look at what we could do in terms of incorporating that that portfolio, moving it into a limited company, and providing certain conditions exist, then we can apply for incorporation relief which means at the point of incorporating that personal portfolio, there's no capital gains tax to pay um, and there's no SDLT to pay. It gets deferred. And and what that means then is that the portfolio is now in a limited company. And now we can start to think about, well, that's one step forward. Now what do we do? Because in that limited company, then we can think about exploring, well, can we make the pension contributions? In order, if we make pension contributions on the on the director's behalf, then that's reducing the amount of corporation tax that we're going to pay because pensions, pension contributions are permissible expenses, they're permissible business expenses. But it's really understanding what it is that these people are trying to achieve. Yeah. So where do they want to get to? You know, is it just about building a portfolio? And, and just providing funds for their lifestyle today? Or yeah. are they looking to create something which is going to be a fund for the future and a legacy for the future? 
-hmm. And then how do we how do we then structure this using um, things which are enshrined in UK legislation? So we're not trying to construct um, schemes which take a bit of this and a bit of that and try and force them together um, so that you know, the revenue could look at them and maybe challenge them. Yeah. What we're looking to do is to use um, tools and and a legislation which is enshrined in UK law, which when we go to HMRC and submit a proposal to them, we'll gain full approval yeah. because we're not we, we're just using things which are already there. We're not trying to construct a scheme. Mm-hmm. So can I go back a little bit to where you said that you? There is a possibility, and I, I know that you can't say for everybody, and this is this is tax advice for everybody. Side note, anybody who's listening, make sure that you get your own personal tax review. I'm just talking in general. Yeah, um, and I think that's very important. When you uh, move, how can you defer capital gains tax and stamp duty land tax? What, when you say defer, when does that have to be paid? If you were transferring from your own name into a limited company? It's it's one of the, it's 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 it, it moves it down down the line, okay? okay. And really, what we then got to think about is it's it's really going to be very very dependent on whether we have achieved the incorporation relief. And if we've got that incorporation relief, then providing that we're reinvesting, what the challenge is going to become really when we come to dispose of any assets which have gone across in the incorporation yeah and if we if we if we make the disposals and then we 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 use that money to reinvest within the business yeah then we're going to be fairly safe in terms of the way that we can move forward but with these when we work with a client through an incorporation process then we would be very very involving quite strongly the chartered tax advisors on the team because they're the ones that are going to give the detailed advice and guidance Okay. to the client and, uh, and they're covered then by their professional indemnity cover but yeah. what we'd have to really do is to look work with the client to fully understand what their tax position is today okay. and, and what they are then going to be able to do now you know sometimes we can't incorporate a portfolio right. particularly if it's just a single individual that's holding that 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 portfolio in their own name Because there are certain things that have to be done, but it's bringing in where we identify that we can that there is the the potential to do something. Then we need to have the conversations with with the with the team, the charter tax advisors on the team, so that they would give the client the 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 clear definition and the uh, and the advice that will get them to where they want to be. Okay, so not everybody would be able to benefit from incorporation relief. No, no. Do you know what are the circumstances where they would be able to? Uh, Well, I mean, the key thing is that what we have to be able to prove and what what the the, the key element is that there is a business there. So first of all, we've got to be, and the revenue will will take a view if there's four or more properties in a portfolio then, then the, the the fact that we have a little business there gets a tick in the box. Great. Okay. Then we've got to start looking at whether you are managing that portfolio yourself. And again, what they what the revenue look at is what they call the twenty hour rule. 
you know, are you spending more than 20 hours a week managing this portfolio? Right. Okay. So if you've if if you've got this portfolio and it's more than four properties, but you've got um, you know, an agent you know, managing it for you, then that's not going to tick the box again. Okay. So, you know, so it's this self-managed portfolio, you know, where where you're doing the work on it that would show to the revenue that there is um, a little business there. Yeah. Then what they would then next be looking at is, well, is there a partnership? Okay. Okay. So most, most, most people that, you know, couples that run a property portfolio in their own name have a partnership, even though there is no partnership agreement. Okay. And again, providing we can show and you know that the revenue can see the way that the income has been split in terms of you know the the SA three hundred two annual tax returns. Yeah. Then again, we've got another tick in the box. Okay. So at that particular point, if we can say right, we've got a portfolio of more than four properties, it's been self managed, and um, and and we've got. Um, now, the income is being split very much on a partnership basis. Then there's the ticks in the boxes, which would then sort of turn around and say, right, okay, now we need to get a more detailed analysis and we would involve a member of the of, our, of uh, a chartered tax advisor mm-hmm. now to start having the conversation with the client. Okay. And so almost what you're doing then is you're putting your portfolio that's a professional portfolio, so to speak, your moving that into a business structure because it is now a business because yes, it's now it's now a business yeah now but again you see there's so many different things that you've then got to start taking into account is you know, that when we move from from say a personal portfolio to to a limited company then the compliance issues are going to change quite dramatically yeah. so you know you're you're running a portfolio yourself you've been subject to income tax um and Depending on where you are in terms of income, you know, are you a lower rate taxpayer? Are you a higher rate taxpayer? Because although we've seen these tax changes with Section Twenty Four, with the way that you know that the, the way that interest on mortgages is now treated, if you're a lower rate taxpayer, it's not really had any major impact on you at all. So why would you you know want to move it forward? What are your goals? I mean, is this property portfolio going to continue to grow, or are we? You know, at a point of saying, no, we're quite happy. This isn't, we're not going to get any bigger. Yep. So why would you want to change? Yeah. But if you're, if, if the aspiration is to keep growing the portfolio, if you're becoming higher rate taxpayers, then you've then got to start thinking about the possibility of maybe using incorporation to move it to the next level, to move it into a limited company. But you know when we've got when we move to a limited company, then you know again, you know the the compliance costs are going to be a lot higher. Um, you know your mortgage costs are potentially going to be higher because a, you know a limited company is paying higher rates of interest that on a on a on a mortgage than an individual is going to pay. Yep. So it's taking all of these different things into account as to. Well, what is the ultimate goal? Where are you trying to get this portfolio to? You know, yeah. What are you trying to create? And I think a lot of people, when they, when they embark on this journey, don't always have a clear view as to what the end is. You know, where are we aiming to? What are we trying to achieve? 
because it's it's what you're aiming to achieve, which is going to determine quite strongly what the tax strategy needs to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, amazing. So can we go back and talk about the different pension wrappers? Because we've mentioned SAS, we've mentioned SIP. Is are those the only pension wrappers available to uh, investors? No, no. Enshrined in UK legislation, there are there are other other pension wrappers. I mean, they are far more um, complex. They're not as well as well known. Yeah. But you've got things like excluded property unit trusts. Um, and you've also got you know, um, something called a, a, a qualifying non-UK pension scheme, a QNUPS for short. So yeah. we quite often talk about EPUT and QNUPS. Okay, so EPUT is an excluded property unit trust, QNUPS qualifying non-UK pension scheme. Okay. Now, if we think about a SAS, now a, a SAS works incredibly well yeah. if you want to invest into um commercial real estate yeah because a SAS can because that's that's why a SAS was set up but we've got to understand and understand a little bit of the maybe the history of a SAS because SASs were established in the in the 1970s yeah and and when when SAS were established property investment as we know it today did not exist Okay, SASs were not set up with with property investment as we have it today in mind. It yeah. was set up for the small entrepreneurial business, the little manufacturing business, um, because at the time the government were quite concerned that that business owners were not making or investing into pensions. They were sitting on large amounts of post tax profits. So because they, they didn't like the idea of losing control of that money. They wanted to keep control of that money just in case. Okay. Just in case of what? Well, nobody was really clear, but let's call it a rainy day fund. Okay. Right? But what, the, what those business owners were concerned about was if I handed over control of that money or paid that money into a pension fund, I lost control of it. It was gone. And I couldn't see it again until I reached retirement age. And SASs were introduced as a bit of a hybrid. So mm-hmm. it was there to encourage, you know, these, these little manufacturing businesses, these distribution businesses to make pension contributions, but keep control of the money. So a SAS was, was introduced. You pay money in, you get the tax relief, but, you can, but you've got access to up to 50% of the value of the fund Mm-hmm. To you know, in, in the form of a loan back to the to the uh, to the sponsoring employer for working capital, yeah, you know, so that you could invest into you know, new machinery, um, but you could also buy that little workshop or that yard that you were that you were you were, were operating from, yeah, and that was what Assas was set up to do. <clears throat> So now roll it forward, best part of 40 years, and the world's moved on, and the government have encouraged you know, property investors to invest into um, it through, through limited companies, and limited companies are able to act as a sponsoring employer for a SAS. Yeah. And you can transfer property, previous pensions into that, into, into that pension wrapper. Mm-hmm. 
But if we think about the, the, the tax legislation, tax legislation is important to understand both the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Yeah. Okay. And make sure you meet both of them. So um, a, a property a, a property investment company uh, uh, is set up, it establishes a SAS, uh, it makes pension contributions or transfers in previous pensions uh, in, into, into this wrapper. Okay, that meets the letter and the spirit of the law. It invests into commercial property. Yep, tick a box, letter of the law, spirit of the law. But if we want to do residential property, then we've got to move money outside of the outside of the fund because mm-hmm. we cannot invest directly into residential property. So how are we going to do it? Well, some companies, uh, property companies, are what we would regard as trading companies. And, and what they're doing is they've built a business and that business is primarily about you know, buying a property, refurbing it and flipping it on. Okay, that's a trading company, uh, and the, and the residential property would be regarded by the revenue as as stock. So we're buying a property, we're, we're doing something to it, we're selling it, on. we're not holding it. It's not an investment company. So lending money, now using a loan back facility, fifty percent of the value of the fund of the, of the pension fund can be lent out as this in, under this loan back criteria. So that could be done without any problem at all. But if we are an investment company, if we're buying property and holding property, mm-hmm. then a loan back to an investment company is not a permissible loan. So you've got to find another way of doing it. Now, EPUT and QNUPS have been, been around now for best part of, or coming up for 20-odd years. And a SAS can uh, acquire um, units in in an in an eput in an excluded property unit trust, and an eput is can can invest in any non-wasting asset. Okay. And a, a non-wasting asset will include both commercial and residential property. Interesting. So I... you've got you've got other ways that you can do it. And again, you know, it, it, we need to look at um, with a property investor, you know, what it is that they're trying to achieve. Um, so that you know, if you've got a limited company and you've 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 and you've got surplus profit in there, then again, you know, having um, say something like a SAS where you can make the pension contributions, build up a fund in there, and then the 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 SAS can can buy units in the in the in the EPUT, in the Excluded Property Unit Trust. And combining EPUT and QNUPS together is a very, very tax-efficient way of building this portfolio that you can then um, use to, um, to provide that, that source of, um, of, 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 you know, that, that gives you that, that um the, the funds that you need where you're drawing the funds down and you've created a legacy for the future. Can I ask, what does what does QNUP stand? Qualifying non-UK pension scheme. Qualifying non-UK pension scheme. I have to write all of this down because I'm terrible at abbreviations. Okay, so can you have one of each? Can you have an EPA, a QNUP and a SAS? 
you can have as many pension funds as you want. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no restriction. The, the challenges that you've got, again, the, where, where you then start to, you then got to start looking at is things like, you know, well, well, what can you have? What, what's your allowance? So, so when you think about um, making pension contributions, then there are rules in terms of your annual allowance in terms of pension contributions. Right. So there are rules in terms of the, the size of your lifetime allowance. So, you, you know, how big can this pension fund be? So there's lots of things that we have to look at and have the conversations of, of, of with the client in terms of, well, well, where are you? Where are you trying to get to? So, you know, there's, it isn't a case of saying, well, you can just go on and do this in an unlimited way. Although you can have as many pensions as you want, you could fall foul of the lifetime allowance because all of your pensions should not be bigger than the lifetime allowance. Yeah. But then we go on to, to, to talk about other kinds of issues is because people will have defined contribution pensions and they will also have final salary pensions. Mm-hmm. Now, final salary pensions are you know, can be quite quite large so we, we've got to look at all of these different kinds of areas, I think, Natasha. It's not as simple as, as saying, well, you know, can I just have an unlimited size of a pot? Well, yes, you can, but maybe no, you can't, because we've got to take into account an individual's circumstances and the situations that they find themselves in. So, you know, the, dealing with 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 tax planning and tax strategy it is it can be very very complex well it is yes it is very very complex <laughs> no, because we 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 have to understand you know an individual situation we have to understand where they're trying to get to mm-hmm. and and that's why it's important to to have these this team of charter tax advisors that are so experienced you know, they've got over 20 years experience of working in this property sector yeah and and once we once we understand you know that you know where where somebody is where they're trying to get to you know we work with 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 incredibly large portfolios I mean we've got one client that we're working with I mean their their portfolio in their own name was worth over 20 million pounds mm-hmm and well, what are we going to do with that? How you know, is it possible to incorporate that size of portfolio? Well, yes, it is. You know, they can be done, but then we've got that into a limited company. But then you know, well, okay, the, the the value of the portfolio was twenty million. So, what was the rental role on it per annum? So, yeah. how do we deal with that? How do we deal with the tax strategies concerned with that? And you can't do one thing in isolation. You can't just sort of say, well, we'll just do that. You've then, you know, you've got you've you've got to take very much an holistic view. You've got to look at the whole thing and understand the total problem. Um, because in, in trying to do a, a bit of tax planning here or a little bit of tax planning there, it can come back and bite you in the bum. Yeah. You know, you've you've got to look at this as as a whole. And and a lot of it, when you're talking about tax planning, then that's going to knock on then in terms of things like wills. Mm-hmm. Like how do we deal with with that bit as well? Mm-hmm. So we've yeah. got to look at the 
it, at the whole. Um, the, the, it's it, it's it's the big picture. You've got to look at the big picture. I must admit, sorting out wills. I, I think I was talking about it on this podcast a while back. For me, I didn't even think about sorting out a will before I've been buying all these properties. <laughs> well, you know, and again, but you know, and that I think is it, Natasha. Is that you know, you know, it's not a, about well buying all of these properties and then well, I ne- I hadn't even thought about a will. Yeah. Okay. But what you've got to think about is, well, what is the tax problem going to be ultimately that you bought these properties? Now, again, did you buy them in your own name? Did you buy them in a limited company? You know, did you buy them through through a pension wrapper? Because if you buy it in your own name or you buy it in a limited company, it's going to have an inheritance tax implication. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and what we've also got to realize is that the revenue treat trading companies and investment companies differently when it comes to the way that they're taxed on death because a trading company will benefit from business property relief yeah so there will be a reduction in the value of 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 the of the iht rate that is due okay but if it's an investment company there is there is no business property relief Mm-hmm. You know that the full value of that estate is going to be in 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 the it, it, it assessed for IHT. You yeah. get no no special reliefs. And the other challenge we've got to face, it, as far as um, business tax is concerned, is the way that corporation tax is going to work as of April twenty twenty three. Because if you are a trading company. Then the first fifty thousand pounds worth of profits is going to be taxed at nineteen percent. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're taxed at, if you've got business profits of more than two hundred and fifty thousand, then you will be taxed at twenty five percent. And in between, there is this sliding scale. There's marginal relief that can be claimed. So you will be paying somewhere between nineteen and twenty five percent, depending on where where you sit. But if you are an investment company and you and the revenue regard you as an investment company, then all of your profits will be taxed at twenty five percent. So tax planning now is becoming even more important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I I agree with that, and that's I guess that's why it's good to have the pension that's associated with your company. So at least you can put some of that money that you've you know you're about to get taxed on straight into. Free. But again, again, the challenge that you've got with that is that some people will look at that and say, well, if I put it in the, into the pension, I won't be able to touch it until I reach pensionable age. Mm-hmm. And pensionable age is increasing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's going up to 58. So you won't be able to touch the pension. But again, if you're using the right kinds of pension wrappers, then there are ways, quite legitimate ways, permissible ways to take income pre-retirement because again with the pension your trustees your pension trustees are not going to manage your property portfolio for you they will pay somebody to do that and that may be you yeah that there's a job that you've got to do but you know we need to it we it gets very very complex and which is why you know it is very very much a case of saying look we need to sit down with with the property investor we need to do the analysis we need to understand what it is that they've got, what what it is that they're trying to achieve, and then look to see as to whether there are 
things which are enshrined in UK legislation that can be used to mm -hmm. help them to get, you know, their, their, their to, we, at the end of the day, Natasha, we all have to pay tax. Oh, yeah. Right. But what we've got to recognise is that we don't need to, to pay more tax than we need to. We also need to recognise that the HMRC is not an advisory body, right? If you are paying more tax than, the, than you need to, they're not going to come back to you and say, look, you need to restructure your business. <laughs> you can do it like this. Now, if you're daft enough you know, to pay the tax and to pay more than you need to, well, they're quite happy. Of course they are. But, you know, but we need to look at it and say, right, you know, how much tax do I need to pay? And how do I avoid paying more than I need to? And mm -hmm. that's about tax planning. Mm -hmm. So final question for me, when can you start tax planning? Because you talked about your client with a £20 million portfolio. Obviously, that's the high end of the scale. What about people with smaller portfolios and also people who are starting younger? I mean, there's people in my audience who would be in their 20s, 30s who are thinking, well, I'm never going to have a pension, or at least we've been told we're never going to have pensions. Would when would you suggest they start looking into this? Day one. Okay. Day one, I think, because you, 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 what we're looking to do is to get people to make informed decisions. Yeah. And without collecting information, without education, then the decisions that you make are, are not fully informed. So we've talked about. You know that that um, you could you could you, you can do property investment in your own name. You can do it in a limited company. You can do it through pension wrappers, but it's getting that education and through 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 my company, through the group that we've got on LinkedIn, you know, Property Tax Three Hundred and Sixty. We're about trying to help people to gain that information right from day one. So you know we we will work with. With 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 property investors wherever they are on the journey, yeah, to help them to understand what their options are, you know, and we'll invest some time, and and quite a bit of time in in, in many instances with with potential with, with property investors to help them to understand the journey that they can possibly make to help them to understand you know what what tax planning options are available to them and then they can choose where they want to go you know we we, we work with people we, we produce this thing that we call a roadmap which gives them a bit of an insight as to what what they can do and what might be the options they need to consider and when they might want to consider these options yes because you can't do it all in one go you know, sometimes it's a case of saying, well, look, you need to go on this journey. But when you reach this particular point, you're going to be faced with making some decisions. Yeah. And when you reach the next point, then you're going to face making some, some more decisions. But you've got to understand what those decisions are. So the more information that you can collect at the beginning of the journey, then the more advantageous it's going to be for, to you. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for this, Neil. How can people get in contact with you? Um, how can people get in touch with me? I'm on LinkedIn, so <laughs> they'll find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my email address is, is neil at astonlee, that's A-O-S-T-O-N-L-E-I-G-H dot com, so they can, they can email me. Um, and my mobile number 
Can I give my people my mobile number? Of course you can give people your mobile 07 number. 07834 And, you know, I'm more than happy to have a conversation with a property investor about the journey that they're going on and then looking at and helping them to think about what tax planning might be appropriate for the journey they're going to embark on. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Neil, for coming on the My podcast pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you for everybody who's listened to this podcast. I hope you hope you found it useful. It's certainly filled with so much information. Again, I will put Neil's contact details in the show notes below as well. So if you want to reach out to him, you most certainly can. Thank you so much for listening to us today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.